Our scripture that was read came from Luke's gospel, the 18th chapter, and the reading was from the first through to the eighth verse. But allow me yet just to lift up verse 4, which says, For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Everyone has an agenda. And by agenda, I mean something that we want to get done or to get accomplished. Now, this agenda may be something that's out in the open for everyone to see or it may be something much more secretive for which you believe it serves your interest to hide. Either way, everyone has an agenda. And depending on how important that agenda is will determine how persistent or how loud you will be in order to get it done. But when we have an agenda, there are generally two considerations that we need to take into account. First, how will that agenda be carried out? And second, who can help us carry it out? So with these two considerations in mind, and in the context of this parable, I have titled this message quite simply, Can You Hear Me Now? Can You Hear Me Now? Let us pray. Most gracious, heavenly, and eternal Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, upon me and upon this sermon. Breathe now that we both might live. This I pray in your holy name. Amen. God has given me things that I have forgotten that I had even asked him for. I mean, I have asked God for so many things growing up that I can't even remember some of the things I'd asked him for, let alone even recognizing when I'd even gotten them. This, I believe, is very common with all of us. Our, our prayers are often so frivolous and so unnecessary in nature that after we have prayed, if God does not answer or respond to our request quickly enough, we just forget about the prayer and move on to the next frivolous request. Some of us also believe that when we pray, God does not hear it unless we use big words, sometimes words that we don't even know the meaning of, just in order to look or appear intelligent. Some of us even think that the longer we pray, the more likely it is that God will eventually hear and then respond. Or that the louder we pray, God will hear because he may just be a little hard of hearing. Well, to be honest, I believe that God is more interested in the quality and sincerity of our prayers than in the quantity of our prayers. Sometimes, to be quite frank, we just yap too much in prayers, and very often we are not saying anything. But praying is talking to God, and I believe that when you talk to God with all sincerity of your heart, he hears your heart's cry 
and God not only speak, but he responds. And because God speaks, a critical part of our praying is not talking, but listening to hear what God has to say. As I stated before, too many of us are so busy yapping about our agendas and the things that we want that we really don't have enough time to hear our Father's response. In the 37th Psalm, in the fourth verse, we are told to delight ourselves in the Lord and he will give us the desires of our hearts. Some folks interpret this to mean that if we say we love God, he will give us anything we want. Nothing could be further from the truth. The precursor to getting the desires of our heart is delighting ourselves in the Lord. The only possible way that we can delight in the Lord is when our will conforms to the will of the Lord. When this happens, our desires automatically becomes his desires and it is in that instance that God will give you the desires of your heart. Let me be clear, God does not do anything outside of his will. And if there is something that you want from God that you are praying for earnestly, what I'm telling you, it has to be in alignment with the will of God. But God only gives his children good gifts. And only a good gift is a gift from God and not your own heart. For the word reminds us that our hearts, yours and mine, are desperately wicked. So having the same desires that God has means that our hearts are connected to God's in such a way that you can ask whatever you wish in Jesus' name and it will be done for you. This brings us to our text. In the first verse, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and to not give up. So right off the bat, we know that the parable that we're reading is being used by Jesus to demonstrate to the disciples that they should always pray and never give up. The delighting ourselves and the asking of God means we, you and I, must always pray. But why should they always pray and not give up? What is so important about being diligent and persistent in prayer? Well, we cannot answer this question on face value, so we'll have to read the rest of the parable in order to see what we can discover. But we must keep in mind, number one, that we should always pray, and secondly, we should not give up. So going back to the parable, picking up in verse 2, and listen to the parable carefully. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, 
When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in the earth? The parable seems pretty straightforward enough. There is a judge who is very self-centered. The text tells us he neither fears God nor man, and he's being worn out and annoyed by a widow who keeps begging and badgering him for justice every day, day in and day out. She is persistent. She keeps coming. She's badgering this judge. Finally, this judge gets fed up at the annoyance and true to his nature, decides to grant her what she asks for just because he's more interested in self-preservation. In other words, I must give her what she wants so that she won't come and attack me. Jesus then remarks, if this unjust, selfish, self-centered judge gave the widow what she wanted, how much more likely is it that God your heavenly Father, who loves you more than anything in the world, would give you what you petition him for, even in a faster time. Pretty straightforward. And if we take it a step further to analyze its pictures, we can conclude that we are the widow by representation. God is the judge. If we pray for something long enough and hard enough, we will be able to wear God down and he will become exasperated with us and say, okay, okay, enough already. Please stop going on at me. What do you want? I'll give it to you. Now please be quiet. That seems to be what the parable is about, isn't it? Well, actually, that doesn't sound right to me for a few reasons. Number one, that's not how prayer works. At least that's not the way I understand prayer. The thought of badgering God until I get what I want seems a bit selfish to me. Secondly, this doesn't seem to jive according to my experiences with God. I don't believe that God gets so exasperated with me or with us that he ends up giving me what I want like a parent spoiling or enabling a child just to get some peace and quiet. Y'all know what I'm talking about. TV and the internet and all these things have become best friends, pseudo parents to parents who just want their kids to just be quiet. But there's a third more crucial reason why I think this doesn't sound right. And that is, it, it doesn't seem to be a correct interpretation for me because this is not a parable about getting what we want. The parable is about the justice of God and how it is activated by prayer. Listen to the key phrases in the text. The widow says, grant me justice against my opponent. The judge is called unjust by Jesus. Later, the judge says, I will grant her justice. Jesus says, and will not God grant justice? He will quickly grant justice to them. Over and over again, the idea of justice is played out in the parable. The parable is about two people. One is a judge whose sole role in society is to administer justice, and the other is a widow. But there's an issue here where something is so unfair about what is going on in this widow's life that the only way she can find peace is if the one who has the power to help her does so, and that is the judge. Two different people with two different agendas. But the judge is someone who's in a position of authority, who has the power to help the defenseless, helpless, 
the dependent. This judge has the ability to do something for the widow, but he is really not interested in her case. It does not matter if the widow's case is legitimate or not. It does not matter what her agenda is. The fact is, the judge really does not care because the judge has his own agenda. There is an issue of justice that is being played out in the text. But what does this have to do with prayer, Pastor? To answer that question, we need to understand a little bit of the background. Throughout the Old Testament, there is a special place for widows in society. In fact, the spiritual health of a society was judged in no small part by how widows amongst them were treated. Whenever God gives instructions on how society should be, he says that the rights of the widows must be defended. Whenever the prophets condemn the people of Israel for having fallen short of the standards of faith, they mention how widows are being abused and marginalized. And crucially, in Psalm 68, God is described as the defender of widows. Now here comes the church. We know that there are areas in the world and sections of society that people have been suffering grave injustices for years and years and years. We need not look further than at the plight of the poor in this nation and other nations of the world. Places like La Limonado in Guatemala where we've been to, you know that people are really suffering. Now you and I know there are faithful people in all of these poor, suffering communities praying in those situations. We know that they are persecuted and oppressed Christians all over the world who every day pray for the release from their torturous and horrific conditions in life. Like the widow, there are plenty of people in difficult situations all across the world, not just in America, but everywhere in the world. And believe me, they are persistent in praying. They are praying to a God they believe in. They pray hard. They are persistent like the widow, but nothing changes. Is it because these people aren't praying hard enough? Is it that these people's prayers are not loud enough? Is it that they're not using a multiplicity of big words? What is the problem, God? Well, the truth of the matter is our God is a God of compassion. And we know that he hears the prayers of the poor as a matter of course. If we took the common approach to this parable, it would seem that this is what Jesus is saying. Badger me and I will give you what you want. To think of us as the widow and God as the judge who can be worn down into saying yes by our constant barrage of prayers doesn't seem accurate to me. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't line up with an orthodox doctrine of God. It doesn't line up with the Old Testament. It doesn't line up with the New Testament. It doesn't line up with the reality of so many situations around the world today. So what is this parable teaching us about prayer? Well, let's turn it on its head and see what we can find. The starting point, I think, is that those who are oppressed, those on the margins of society, symbolize the plight of the widow, and there are those who are crying out 
to be heard. That is our starting point. The realization that there arise in all of our local communities throughout the United States and throughout the world, people screaming and crying out for mercy and compassion. The homeless, the grieving, those with mental illnesses, the abused, the sick, the poor, the dying. There is no shortage of people who are suffering in the world today. That is our starting point. Jesus says you will always have the poor among you. So make no mistake about it, our starting point in this parable is a recognition and a realization that people are hurting. There are people crying out to be heard. These are the people who are represented by the widow in Jesus' parable. The realization was always Jesus' starting point in ministry, and it needs to be yours and mine as well. Securing justice and relief for the hurting must always be our top priority as those who seek to reflect the love of God in society. We need to hear the cry of the poor and the vulnerable. Now, if that is true, if that is the starting point, then we need to start looking at this parable in a very different way. Perhaps you and I are not the widow after all. Perhaps we, you and I, are the judge and we need to hear the persistent cry of the poor in our midst. Perhaps this parable is about the cry of the poor coming to your ears and mine. And it is us who need to grant the justice. Now that's an uncomfortable thought, I think. When you and I go to sleep tonight, when we rest our heads on our pillows, the cry of the poor and the marginalized in society will continue to fill our heads. Will you and I sleep comfortably or will we resolve to do what we can to alleviate their suffering? If you find this uncomfortable, let me make it even more uncomfortable. In Matthew, the 25th chapter and the 35th verse, Jesus says that he doesn't just identify with the poor and needy, but that, here it is, we can actually find him in the poor and needy. Here's what it says, Jesus' words, not mine. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Here's a challenge. Until now, we may have thought about this parable and assumed that we are the widow in need of our prayers being answered. And God is the judge who we must now badger in our prayers to get what we want. Well, here's what I'm telling you. The truth of the matter is, we are the judge and Jesus is the widow. Jesus is the one who is found among the poor and the marginalized. Jesus is the one who is being persecuted. And we, you and I, are the unjust judge. And so maybe this parable is actually about Jesus crying out to us, pleading with us to do something to eradicate the pain of the marginalized in our society. In Revelation, the third chapter, the risen Christ says, Behold! 
I stand at the door and knock. And so here he is in the parable, in this moment, standing and knocking and pleading with us to respond to the needs of the poor and the vulnerable and the marginalized in society. And today, Jesus is saying to you and to me, can you hear me now? Jesus is pleading with you and I. And we're ignoring his pleas for justice because we neither feared God nor cared what people think. That's what it said in the text. This unjust judge neither feared God nor cared what people think. The unjust judge is you and me. We, with our high-mindedness, are not listening to the cry of the poor and the marginalized. We're not hearing Jesus. And Jesus is knocking and saying, can you hear me now? Is Jesus saying, what will it take for you to change your wicked heart and develop one of compassion where you care for the things that he cares for. Delight yourselves in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. What are you delighted in? Can you hear me now? It's an appeal from Jesus to turn your life around and give him all of you. You know that you have heard his voice and you know that you have ignored him long enough and today you need to make the choice before it's too late. Can you hear him now? Can you hear him now? Or maybe the better question is, will you hear him now? For if any man hears him, do not harden your hearts because this is our moment and this is our time to take advantage of the wonderful privileges that God has given to you and me. We have the capacity, we have the ability to see the mountain, to climb the mountain, to reach the light. But the question is, is our own agenda going to make you climb alone? This parable is often used to bring comfort to us about our prayer life, and maybe there is a lot of truth in that. But I think it has a really different message for all of us. The question is simply this, what will we do for the poor and the weak and the marginalized as we hear their cry for justice? Will we continue to see people marching in the streets asking for freedom and equal rights and pretend as if they are not there? We are called by Jesus to pray and not to lose heart. We must not cease praying for the vulnerable in our society. We must not lose heart because our prayers can effect change. Jesus concluded the parable by saying and asking, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? In other words, when Jesus comes, will he find that you not only focused on your agenda, but also on the agendas of others as well? My prayer, my prayer, is that we will all turn our faith into action in response to the cries of this people for the glory of God. Make no mistake about it. Jesus is among the poor. Make no mistake about it, Jesus is among the marginalized. And make no mistake about it, you have an opportunity 
to judge. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.